Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Wa sallallahu wa barak. Al-ashrafil anbiya wa al-mursilin. Nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Amma ba'd. Alhamdulillah. We begin inshallah with the continuation of kitab of Janais from Umdatul Fiqh and we mentioned in, uh, previously the ahkam in relation to the deceased and remember what we mentioned previously in relation to the deceased the five right the five rights or essentially what is what is done with the deceased in terms of their wealth how is their wealth spent? Naam, as we know, salam. As we know, the the wealth of the deceased remains in the dunya. So, what is done with it? And we mentioned five things, and they were these these five, uh, and Allah Taala knows best, are ala tartib. They're in order. It's ordinal. So it's not a case where you can say, okay, we're going to do this one first and then that one after that. No, it's an order. And uh, what were they? What are those five? If you remember. So the money first has to be used to prepare for the janazah. What is meant by that? The land that might need for use for the burial. Generally, what you find in this in this land in this country, you have to pay for the land so for the burial. Now, and if you're not, that you have to pay towards. For maybe people take to pay the wage of the people that do the washing or the people that do the actual burying. If you're not, the shroud. Now, generally, this is what the person pays for. Thereafter, what do you, what is done with their wealth? So once it's paid for the janazah, what do you do with the wealth after that? Paying the debts. Now I'm paying the debts. Thereafter, set the third. Anticipated debts and future debts. What's most meant by that? Contracts are upcoming. Rent that's upcoming. Now, after that, the fourth thing. The wasiya. What's meant by wasiya? No, it's one for the wealth given to those that are not specified inheritors. And who specified the inheritors? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, within the ayat. Uh, and finally, the fifth, the remainder of the wealth goes to the inheritors. So, what do you mention after that? Preparation of washing. So, who could tell me the first thing that is done in terms of the washing? Before anything, no, closing the eyes. No, so you place something, uh, a hard surface, whether it be a mirror or something of the like, upon the chest, upon the stomach. Kind of. Why? To expel anything that is within the body. So after that, the oil is covered now. Press on the stomach. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, you press on the stomach to use the hands or you can use a hard surface. The oil is covered and then after, use a sponge to just squeeze over the odor now. Squeeze the water and clean the odor. Thereafter, you perform the wudu. You do, you do the wudu upon the body. After that, wash the No, use the cedar leaves. Jay, after that, after the wudu, right the wash, right the wash the right side and then the left side. No, no, you mentioned now. So right, wash the right side and then the left side. Then, how many times you do this? Three times. If three is not sufficient, five or. Seven, Jade. After that? Naam, and then? Naam, and then? Perform? Do do. The last wash should be done with what? Kafur now. The last wash should be done with the Kafur. After that? 
shrouding. For the man, there are how many pieces? Three pieces. And the woman, there are five different pieces. The man is perfumed. At the, sorry? The points of prostration. Now. And the woman? No. And who has the right to do the washing? The father, the grandfather, father, side. Now, the father, grandfather, and, and, and whoever is connected. The first, the one has the right, the first noun, Barakalafik, is the one that is specified. So if you mention yeah, in, the, in your will and testament that you want Fulan to wash you, then that is from your right to, to specify that person. Now, and then that person takes right over anyone else. Does the father have the right to uh, establish the Salat al Janazah? It's the Wulil Amr or the Imam Aid who's been put in place by the Wulil Amr? Jane, is that where we left off? Or did we, did we begin the Salat as well? That's what I thought. Jane. And so, as for the Salah, the Salah Ali, so there's the Salah which is performed upon the Janazah. Then the first thing Ibn Qadamah mentions, Rahimahullah, Yukabir wa Yakra Fatiha. So the first thing he does is that he makes a takbir and he recites Surah Al Fatiha. Before the discussion about the Salah, rather, what would be important or what's important to discuss as well is the Mas'ala in relation to the Aqwal of some of Ahlul Ilm in relation to the Salah and if the person needs to be in a state of Tahara. Because some of Ahlul Ilm they mention that Salatul Janazah is an exception and the person does not need a wudu to perform the Salatul Janazah. Naam. However, this call, Allah Ta'ala knows best, is marjuh. This statement here is one which is not yani, the correct opinion. And the correct opinion is that the person does need wudu. As first and foremost, atlak alayha, yani bi ism salah. So the name, of, the name salah is given to it. And we know that there's no salah for the one that has entered the state of impurity without making wudu, until they made wudu. <coughs> and so, because it's given the, the name of salah, then, due to that, we understand that the person has to perform wudu for it. Likewise as well, we know that the salah in the shara'an is a specific action يعني تحريمها التكبير وتحليلها وتسليم that you enter into the salah and into the state of ihram يعني for the salah with the takbir and you leave that state with the taslim and Salatul Janazah is no different. And so due to that, the Salatul Janazah is uh, regarded as being from the Salawat, we have to be in a state of purity. Thereafter, Mukadama mentions that the person makes the wudu, or afwan, the person uh, makes the takbir and recites from Surah Al-Fatiha. Now, she makes takbir and recites from Surah Al-Fatiha. Now, so in the first salah, you recite Surah Al-Fatiha. This is taken from the hadith in which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he performed the salah upon Al-Najashi. Performed the salah upon Al-Najashi. Now, when the Jashi was who? He was? Now, King of Habasha. 
And so he performed a salat upon him. And he performed a salat to Janaza upon him. Is it good, Alec? No. Not salat to Janaza. He performed the salat to Ghib. So the salat upon the uh, absent. What's the difference between Janaza? The salat the salat Ghib and the salat the salat Janaza. Naam. So when the body the body's not present. So the, 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 the salah is performed in the exact same manner, except that in the salah to Janaza, the body is present. With the salah upon the Najashi, the body was not present. Naam, his body, Naam, Rahmahullah, was not present. And so thus, the salah was performed without his body being present. However, the same ahkam apply. And in this narration, it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ began وَيَقْرَأَ الْحَمْدِ فِي الْأُولَى يعني after the first takbir يَقْرَأَ بِالْحَمْدِ يعني he recited الحمد referring to the first ayah سنة الفاتحة الحمد لله رب العالمين and of course we have the narration that we mentioned previously when discussing the arkan of the salah where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ بأم الكتاب there's no salah for the one that does not recite the Umul Kitab. You're referring to Surah Al-Fatiha. And so this is the first takbir. Then you have the second takbir. And the second, after the second takbir, you salli ala nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So in the second takbir, he mentioned the salah ala nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. I the dua we make in the tashahud a thani. So in the second tashahud. Mm-hmm. So this is what is mentioned in the second after the second takbir. After the third takbir, for yad'u ila or yad'u lil mayyat. He makes dua. And he supplicates for the deceased. So in the third, after the third takbir, he supplicates for the deceased. And there are two supplications that are mentioned. Ibn Khadam mentions one which is found in Sunan Abi Dawood. He mentioned the, the, the supplication that is found in Sunan Abi Dawood, Tirmidhi, wa Ibn Majah. Naam. Also found in, in the Muslim Imam Ahmed. However, uh, also we have the dua, the dua which is well known, the dua which is found in uh, Sahih, the Sahih of a Muslim. And the dua is Allahumma ighfir lahu warhamhu wa'afihi wa'afu anhu wa'akrim nuzlahu wa'awsi' mudkhulahu wa'aksil bil ma'i wal thalj wal barad. وَنَقِّهِ مِنْ ثُنُوبِ مِنْ ذُنُوبِ وَالْخَطَايَا كَمَا يُنَقِّ ثَوْبُ الْأَبْيَدِ مِنَ الدَّنَسِ وَأَبْدِلْ دَارًا خَيْرًا مِنْ دَارِهِ وَأَهْلًا خَيْرًا مِنْ أَهْلِهِ وَزَوْجًا خَيْرًا مِنْ زَوْجِهِ وَأَدْخِلُهُ الْجَنَّةِ وَأَذُهُ مِنْ أَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ وَأَذَابِ النَّارِ And so, this particular dua which is found in Sahih, Muslim. I forgive him I have mercy upon him yani upon the deceased and of course if you if it was uh, an individual that he's praying over that was a woman then you say Allahumma Allahumma ikfir laha naam forgive her warham her have mercy upon her salam and pardon her or pardon him and give him يعني, a noble uh, a noble a noble abode and make his abode يعني, in terms of the the grave vast and spacious and wash him with water and ice water in the snow and the ice and remove for him 
his sins and transgressions, just as you would, you would clean and remove away the garment from its stains and replace for him an abode or a home better than his home that he has and a family better than his family and a spouse better than his spouse. Enter him into Jannah Protected from the uh, from the punishment of the of the of the grave, and the punishment of the fire, and so this is yeah, the du'a for the deceased. Now, along with that, barakallahu fiqum, if the person, some ahlul m mentioned, if the person is not aware of the whole du'a, naam, that whole du'a was mentioned, then he may suffice. With the beginning of that dua, Allahumma ghfir lahu warham. Allahumma ghfir lahu warham. And he repeats that whilst praying behind the imam. And oh Allah, forgive him and have mercy upon him. And he, and he suffices with that. But no doubt the person should seek to memorize that dua. Thereafter, he performs the takbir, one takbir. And then makes a taslim once to the right hand side. So, how many takbirat is that for the salah? Five? Four? 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 <laughs> Halal <laughs> After Surah Al-Fatiha. Third takbir. Then you make the du'a from the deceased. And the fifth, the, uh, the fourth takbir. After that, it's a sting. Um, now, in the Qudam, I'm going to mention as well. And he raises his hand with every takbir. Now, and this is due to what was narrated from Umar ibn Khattab anhu, that after every after every takbir he would raise the hands. After every takbir he would raise the hands. Allah Ta'ala knows best. And so in the wajibat as for the wajibat to the salah are the takbirat so all four the takbirat the Qira'ah, Qira'ah referring to what? Qira'at al-Fatiha, wa salat ala nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, naam, as well as the dua lil-mayyit, making a dua for the deceased, and finally what? The taslim. Naam, so these are all of the obligations for, uh, for the one that performs this salah, Allah Ta'ala knows best. So all of them are, are the obligations. Now, inshallah, uh, we'll stop here and then continue slightly after the salah, inshallah, so we can end this particular chapter today. بارك الله فيكم جزاكم الله خير صلى الله وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وبارك على الاشرف والانبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم اما بعد الحمد لله ودسكس الصلاه صلاه الجنازه Thereafter, Ibn Qudamah goes on to mention 
ومن فاتته الصلاة عليه صلى على القبر إلى شهر. And so whoever يعني has missed the صلاة then they can pray over the grave upon the grave even if a month has passed. نعم. So if they've missed the صلاة they can pray upon the grave. Uh, and the proof that is mentioned here Sheikh Abdullah Bassam is the hadith of the Prophet of the Hadith of Prophet Sallallahu narrated by Abi Huraira and Ibn Abbas and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam prayed upon the grave or over the grave. And likewise you have the narration of Sa'id ibn Musayyib. Naam. Narration of Sa'id ibn Musayyib. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he prayed upon the grave of Umm Sa'ad. And he was, after he'd been, he'd been, uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he'd been absent and he prayed upon the grave after a month had passed. Naam. So he prayed upon the grave of Umm Sa'ad after a month had passed. So, what's the problem with this narration? What's wrong with that? So even the same the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what's wrong with that? Why? Because he is a, yeah, essentially because he's a tabi. So narration, the narration of Sa'id ibn Musayyib, it was saying Sa'id ibn Musayyib, even though he's from the Kibar Tabi'in, he is a tabi. And so he's narrating from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, meaning that there is some sort of break in the chain. Allah Ta'ala knows best. And what is that referred to? Anyone know the terminology for that? But Tabi narrates about something from the Prophet. Mursal. Hadith Mursal. Nah, Mursal. So there's some doubt in that and Allah Ta'ala knows best. And so, whilst it's Thabit that, uh, that he prayed upon the grave, وسلم, that which is uh, maybe questioned or in doubt is the passing of a month, or the time period that you can, you can pay over the grave in Allah Ta'ala. Knows best. Now, thereafter, it goes on. Ibn Khudam was a mention. وَمَنْ تَعَذَّرَ الْغُصْلُهُ لِأَدْمِ الْمَاءِ أَوْ الْخَوْفِ عَلَيْهِ مَنْ تَقَطَّعَ نعم. So, كالمجدور أو محترق نعم أو محترق أو لكون المرأة بين الرجال أو الرجل بين النساء فإنه نعم يمم يممم so it makes tayammum for that for that and so in relation to that Ibn Khadamah goes on to mention if the individual does not have water so there's no water to perform the ghusl. Or there's khawf, there's fear. Naam. Or that the individual, for example, the body, it's, it's not possible to, use, to, to wash the body. Due to the body, for example, being severely burnt. Another example is that you cannot use the water because the deceased is a woman and it's amongst the men. Or it's a man and it's amongst the women. Then the tayammum can be performed. And so going back here, mentions just clear when it mentions the affair of the water. Naam. The water not being present, of course, that's clear. You can't perform the water if there's no water. However, khauf, what is understood by the khauf? What is understood by khauf? Water can increase the disease, but this the person is, is dead, so this the disease is over. Now, so for example, the person dies in war, and so if you go through the whole process of ghusl, 
then this may increase the opportunity of the enemy to come upon you. And so there's fear of the enemy approaching. And so this is the, this is what I understood from that. The fear of if the body is severely damaged or burnt, my friends, and what is meant by that? So the part of the body, so what's the, what's, what's the issue with washing it with water? It's more harmful to the body and it may cause more damage to the body. Now, if the person is severely, severely burnt, then it may cause more damage to the body. And so it's sufficient, uh, it's sufficient to make the yamma. And as for the Zoljain, then it's permissible for one of the spouses to wash the other. Now, it's permissible for one of the spouses to wash the other. And we mentioned this last week. And what was the proof that we mentioned last week? The fitl of who? The action of who? Action of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. Naam, action of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. Likewise, as well, it goes with the mention, وَكَذَلِكْ وَالْأُمُ الْوَلَدِ Naam, my Sayyidiha. And the mother of the child. So, Thereafter, the Qudam was to mention, وَالشَّهِيد إِذَا مَاتْ فِي الْمَعْرَقَةِ لَمْ يُغَسَّلْ وَلَمْ يُصَلَّ عَلَيْهِ As for the shaheed, as for the martyr, then he is not washed, nor is he prayed upon. And this is due to the narration that is found in Sahih Bukhari, where the Messenger of Allah sallallahu Commanded with the burying of the Shuhada of Uhud. And it's commanded with the burying, yani, fi dama'ihim. And they're buried in their blood. What's meant by that? That they're not washed. Naam. So he commanded that they're buried, fi dama'ihim. Walam yuksaru, walam yusalla alayhim. And they were not. Washed, nor were they prayed over. This is the narration of Father Sahib Bukhari's mission. Naam. And so, they are, they are wrapped within garments and placed within the graves. And thereafter, it mentions as well the, the one that is in the state of Ihram, the Muhrim. The one that dies in the state of Ihram, then they are not shrouded. Now, they are not shrouded with the, the normal shrouds, the, the garments of shrouds. Rather, what we know is that they are shrouded within the ihram, if they have the ihram. They are washed with water and are shrouded in the ihram, whilst leaving the head uncovered. Yeah, I need the head, the whole head uncovered. So the one that dies in the state of ihram, he's left and his whole head is uncovered. Now, This is due to the hadith which is Mutafakan Ali, where the Prophet وسلم, commanded that the man that died whilst in the state of Ihram be washed with water and, you want know what else? The Sidr. Washed with water and Sidr. And then he is, he was commanded to be shrouded in his garment, Aid Ihram. What we refer to now as the ihram, the garment of the ihram. Whilst his head was uncovered. And he mentions at the end, فَإِنَّهُ يُبْعَفْ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ مُلَبِّيًا For indeed, يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ He'll be raised saying the talbiyah. So this individual, due to that, due to that fact, the head is uncovered. And you find, you see this. If you see, for example, if you, if anyone has been on Hajj, 
it's common that people pass away on Hajj for different reasons. They might be due to the Hajj itself. Some people, what you find is that they are in the marad. They have a have an illness anyway. Maybe marad al maut. So the illness that is, yeah, and it connected to their death essentially. And due to that, due to that illness, they will try to perform Hajj one last like one last time. Either the Hajj of the Islam or Hajj anyway. And so due to that, due to the fact that they have this illness, they pass away. So sometimes when you when you go on Hajj and you're in the Haram, Masjid al Masjid Haram, you will see the bodies lined up. You will see them lined up and they're all covered in their ihram. With their heads uncovered. So you will not you will you will witness this at times. Now, and this is the sunnah in relation to the one that is uh, in Sayyidina Ihram. Likewise as well, لَا يَقْتَعْ شَعْرَهُ وَلَا ذَفْرُهُ So you do not cut the hair of the one that's in Sayyidina Ihram, that dies in Sayyidina Ihram, nor do you cut the nails. Now, likewise, when it comes to the burying of the mayit, then they are buried within the grave and wet bricks are placed upon that grave, which is the action of the Prophet Wasallam. And so the person should not place anything in relation to, uh, into the grave, for example, <coughs> of of wood or things that have been touched by fire, anything burnt by fire within that grave. And this is the uh, this is the you know, the, the, the etiquette of the of burying. Thereafter, Ibn Qudam goes to mention Rustahab, Ta'zir to Ahlul Mayyit. Ta'ziyah to Ahlul Mayyit. So what is Mustahab thereafter as well? He's giving condolences to the family of the deceased. Naam. What is meant by condolences here? Shaykh Abed, Rahimahullah, he mentions. It's Ta'ziyah. It's Tazkir Ahlul Mayyit. And he reminded them of what will increase them and strengthen their sabr in their hal. And reminding them of the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, this is the mannerism and the etiquette we're dealing with the deceased. And the family deceased, yeah. Likewise, as well, Ibn Qudam was a mention, Wal Buka Ali, Gayru Makru. And so, crying in relation to the deceased is not something which is makru. It's not something which is said is makru. Why? Because. As jaiz, it's something which is permissible. Why? Because it's thabat. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa cried at the time, the death of his son, Ibrahim. And so we understand that this is something which is mashru'ah, something which is legislated. Crying due to the deceased. And it's permissible. However, in Qudam, God was to mention, yani, that it's muqayyad. It's, it's restricted. Meaning that it cannot be إِذَا لَمْ يَكُنْ مَعَهُ نَدَبْ وَلَا نِيَاحَ So, what cannot occur within this is that there is a degree of يعني, what is referred to here in English as the obituary. So, where a person, when it comes to giving the condolences, 
They give the condolences and then they go on to mention the muhasan. The muhasan of an individual. Yeah, and they're good actions. If it's mentioned in general, for labats. If you mention someone upon good, no labats, no problem. However, if now the intent is to gather for that extent, so a person has written everything out, my fellow, and it becomes a speech. Actually, you have here in this, in this country the obituaries. Everyone know what obituaries are? Obituary essentially where you mention the the talisman the of the life of an individual, mention their good and whatever else. And what you find in this country, probably in other countries as well, is that people will send it to the random local newspapers. Why? I don't know. But you'll read, maybe you read the local newspaper, you read about what's happening on the street, and then you read about Fulan, you never met, and they've mentioned all of their deeds and everything else. Now, I mean, this is something which is a common practice here. Now, I'm that they mentioned the deeds of the people. And this is something which is not connected to the, yeah, I need the, uh, the actions of giving condolences. If you give the condolences, you, give the con you, you mention the condolences of the individual, you, you make dua for the deceased. And it suffice with that. If you are specifying that ziyara, yeah, and you're specifying visiting the, the, the family, in order to yani, have some form of discussion specifically about their deceased, then no doubt this is something which is haram. Naam. And you have this in different cultures. Even as, for example, our culture. I say our culture, but where, where myself, my background, in Jamaican culture, West Indian culture, what they will do is they have something called uh, the Nine Nights. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. Where nine days after the person has, uh, has passed away, they will go and usually what they do now, they'll rent out places, spend their money, spend their wealth. And everyone comes together for the sole purpose, not even a funeral. Everyone comes together for the sole purpose of just mentioning this individual. It's a, it's a gathering of remembrance, they call it. But they give it this name, Nine Nights. And so they come together for that specific purpose. Now, and of course, this is from the practice of the Kuffar, but you have practice, these practices that may be implemented amongst the Muslims, where they emulate such actions. And so anything from this is Muharram. Everything from this is Muharram. Likewise as well, Aniyah, you need a wailing. So there's no harm in crying over the deceased. Shedding tears. Now, but the wailing, again, this is something which is Muharram. Again, this is something which the people have become yeah, afflicted with. Not only are they afflicted with the wailing, but what you find, what you may find that some individuals become afflicted with it to the extent that they believe that the more that you exert yourself or the more exaggerated the crying is and the more exaggerated the display of emotion is, is the more that you loved that, you loved that individual or the more that individual was loved. So they attach that to the relationship you have with the person. And so due to that, from the evils of that, are that the, the you find individuals that attend funerals for that specific purpose ala ujra in ala ujra yani that they actually pay to do so they're paid for the purpose of attending the funeral to wail for that individual what you have to be like. and so none of these things are permissible Ibn Khudama goes on to mention now Ibn Khudama goes on to mention as well well I but Thereafter, when it comes to the prison of the graves and labats, there's no harm in a person visiting the visiting the graves. 
Especially so in relation to the men. However, Shaykh and Shaykh Obeid, he mentions that the ziyarah to the kubur, visiting the graves, is not mutlaq. It's not absolute. They just say you can visit the graves. Now, however, the visiting of the graves, Shaykh Obeid mentions, Rahimahullah, the ziyarah to the kubur is of three types. There are three types of visiting the grave. The first is a ziyarah shar'iyah. I did the ziyar, the visit of the grave, which is legislated or correct. I has mentioned that the person visits, visits the grave and mentions the dua for the deceased. And that's the first time. The second. Is a ziyara bid'iyah. The ziyara bid'iyah. So the ziyara visit of the grave, which is bid'ah. What do you think is meant is is understood by way of that? You specify a day to go there, my friend. People go there. They say they have to. We have to go on this day. We go on the on the person's birthday, my friend. Or every Friday now. Oh yeah, on the, on the anniversary of the person's death. What else? No. Allah, that is that's not bidia. Yeah? That's the next one coming though. Now, but we're gonna, I'm gonna come back to you. Inshallah, bidia, something bidia. Now, go to read the Quran. Something else mentioned, which is bid'iyah. Flowers, now. Raising, now. Tawaf, no, that's that's the next one coming. Now, what Shaykh Obeid, he mentioned, as for bid'iyah, is that the person makes the journey specifically for the grave. Naam, that the person makes a specific journey to visit the graves. Now you suffer. Then this is something which is bid'ah. Methalan, let's say for example, a relative, they die in the land. And this land is far, far in a far off land. And then you go to travel to that land with the purpose of visiting the grave. No other purpose. You go to the purpose, the purpose of it in the grave. Then this is a ziyara bid'iyah. Why? Because a person embarking on a journey should be for what? Free. What? The free masajid now. Which are? Mishal Haram Mecca. Mishal Nabi. Mashid Al Aqsa. Naam. The person embarking upon a specific journey, yani ibadatan, that has to be yani for the masajid. That makes sense, Ikhwan. Time. So then the third type is a ziyara shirkiya. And a ziyara shirkiya is what, my friend? What's a ziyara shirkiya? To, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, so for example, the ziyara uh, shirkiyah that the person goes to the grave and they go there with the intent of making dua and seeking intercession with the inhabitants of the grave. Then this is dua shirkiyah. Likewise, as well, as Adnan, uh, you mentioned, for example, the people make tawaf, do tawaf at the graves. Likewise, is that the person goes to the grave and they perform the slaughter. They go to the grave to perform the slaughter. 
Да. Да, the person goes into sorts. These are the three types. Shekhamid also goes on to mention as well. Shekhamid also goes on to mention that discussion regarding the ziyara to kubur of the woman. And the woman visiting the graves. Now, he mentions that the two opinions, one is that it's a permissible, one is not. He mentions the arjah, that which is the stronger of the two, is that it's not permissible. Why? Because it can lead to many affairs or more muharramah, he mentioned. Within that call, within those that say it's impermissible, they say that there is a specific uh, yeah, the exception, if you like. If the woman yeah, is known to have specific strength, yeah, and she has personal yeah, strength in personality, where she won't become overly affected by uh, the visiting the graves and caused fitten by visiting the graves. However, even with that statement, Allah Ta'ala knows best, then it is very uh, subjective and it's, it's very difficult to ascertain what is meant by yani no doubt most people believe they have strong personalities or have their strength to deal with things Allah Ta'ala knows best so generally speaking this is mentioned that it's something which is muharrama uh, and it's mentioned it mentions the la'an Allah. Then is the the curse of Allah being upon the one the the, the females visiting the graves is a is one which is mentioned as is mentioned to his extremities due to the harsh nature found or the harsh outcomes of it and Allah Taala's best. Now. And thereafter, Ibn Khudama goes on to mention يعني, the dua asking Allah Ta'ala for asking for you protection and that any action of seeking this for Allah that we do it and that the thawab, the reward is for within it and for the deceased of the Muslims. And that they benefit by way of these actions. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. Alhamdulillah, that concludes what we wanted to discuss in relation to the Janais. Uh, yeah, and it's just Janais in terms of the washing, the, the Salah and the burial. And the, 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 the deceased and the, and the etiquette with the deceased. Thereafter, inshallah, in our next lesson, we will go on to discuss our next chapter, which is Kitab al-Zakah. Now, the next chapter, which is Kitab al-Zakah. Barakallahu feekum, ikhwah. Jazakum al khaira. Wa sallallahu wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Akhla da'wan, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Mm. Is that just for a janazah? So, for example, if a mother lost her son, mm. is that she can never go to the graveyard, or is that just for the janazah? The general khilaf. There is a difference okay. of opinion. Some say that's for the janazah. In terms of the burial, then this is absolutely understood that they can't go for the burial. Okay. As for the general visiting the graves, then the khilaf is within that. Some some Ahlul say that no, they can't go to that either. They shouldn't visit the graves at all. Some mention that they can visit the graves, but um, as long as obviously they don't cause whatever fitting comes with that from it, whether it be excessive, with exactly wailing and things like that. A lot of animals, but what we, what we just mentioned today is the speech of Sheikh Obeid, where he says that it's not permissible for them to visit.
And that's generally what you find from the speech. But it's something it's something that, that needs more discussion and more uh, more uh, research. So what works like a small gathering? So for example, there's a small family. The father, the mother and two siblings, two kids. Yeah. Now the father no, the yeah, the father dies. Yeah. And now it's just the two kids and the mother. Yeah. And that's all there is for the Janaza. Do you think that'll still also be impermissible? First of all, the Janaza, bear in mind the Janaza is Fardul Kifaya. So it's upon the people to establish the Janaza. So even if it's a small person comes from a small family, it still needs to be established. Even to the extent you find even less than that, where a person, they maybe they're, they're, they're the only Muslim in their family and they pass away, right? The Janaza has to be established, right? So that's one thing. If now we, that is the same, that same scenario, it's a small amount. The number doesn't matter. Why? Because we still we're talking about avoiding the fitting that comes with the visiting of the graves of the women. Now, so whether it's one woman, two women, it doesn't matter. You understand? It doesn't matter in terms of the number. It's about avoiding the harms that come with it. Possibly, possibly. A lot of time was best. No. Yeah. First and foremost, say where's the contract that I signed? That's I have to stick to this one mother. No. The matter you have to stick to is is to Allah or to Rasul. That's the matter you have to stick to. That you obey Allah and obey the Messenger. As if you studied a particular madhab, no problem. However, if you find that it's opposed anything from the Sunnah, then the Sunnah takes precedence. Allah Taala commands, "Ati Allah wa ati Rasul." Ati Allah wa ati Rasul. Obey Allah and obey His Messenger. So upon us is, is, is holding on to the Sunnah of the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. He commanded us, "Aman yashminkum fusirah ikhlaf and kathira." Whoever lives from you after me will be much different. Fa'alikum bi Sunnati wa Sunnatu Qurafah Rashidina Mahdi min Baadi. Yeah, the point is my sunnah, the sunnah of the right guy, the khulafa, that come after me. Hold on firm to it with your molas. Naam? So, it's not a thing where, it's not a case where we can say the person sticks and clings to a particular madhab. Because the affair of the rijal, the men, a man, yukti wa yusib. A man, he, he makes errors and is correct at times as well. So, you cannot, no one can ever say that you have to cling to a way of anyone other than the messenger of Allah sallallahu and when it comes to even the salaf then we understand the, the, the understanding of the salaf is one which is collective and we're not going to say we're going to follow this particular thing because one imam from amongst them said it Naam. so rather it's, it's a case of the, the general tenet of our deen is that we obey Allah we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we obey the messenger anything outside of that then we leave. Now we, we, we leave. We leave it to that which is correct. It's it's whether whether it's correct or not. It needs uh, investigation. I mean, accept whatever is correct. No, but you can't. No one can ever say that just because you're upon, uh, you studied one month, you have to stick to that for the rest of your life. No, there's there's nothing in the dean that says that. Nothing. There's no text that says you have to follow this one particular individual. Rather the opposite. No. What steps can one take to ensure that one's own Janada is in accordance with the No. Example of that was the from the Mujad of our time, Muhaddith Sheikh. Imam Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, where he wrote his wasiyah, he wrote his his will and testament. And he mentioned some points, he mentioned some points in there. From the points that he mentioned within that, was that he frees himself from anyone that wails at his, at his funeral. So he frees himself from it. Naam. Likewise, he mentioned that if any, any of his uh, next of kin essentially his offspring his children 
are in another land to not inform them of his death until after he's been buried. Why do you think he said that? So they don't? No, they don't travel for that purpose. They don't delay it. So that due to this, the, this, the, the grief that they don't delay it and say, wait till I get there to, to perform the burial. So rather, he, 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 uh, what his intent was that the burial would be done, yeah, and he haste, uh, and he, uh, hastily. Likewise as well, he mentions and he, where he, what he want, his wasiyah, where he wanted his books to be left, which was at the Jamia Islamia. And it can be, to this day, you find them in the, in the library of the Islamic University, they're there. So these are the things that you can, you can lay out. So what, there, there are some, I think there are some brothers that are actually offering this, this service now where, it's, where you can have a will, a testament, and it's like a template. And you just mention, you fill in things that you want to put in there. And of course, of course you mentioned in terms of your wealth, you want it to be divided amongst those that inherit from you in a manner which is in accordance with the Sharia. As for um, anything else, then it's laid out, the, you know, the things that you free yourself from, for example. The, uh, the the wailing and the, and the likes of that, or eulogies that are given, and obituaries. Allow to add best. No. So that's how you can avoid those things. No. The manner. No. No. There are specific, but I would research and I'll come back, inshallah. Specifics, inshallah. Remind me, though. Inshallah. How does one um, behave with the funerals of non Muslim family members? What is the response of the Muslim? Um, so, if there's non Muslim family members, then of course the funeral will be the many different, there will be many different practices in this funeral. Depending on the cultures, depending on whatever. But I generally find the, the, the practices are going to be so many more. There's going to be so many different practices amongst these other cultures before they even get to the funeral sometimes as well. The person doesn't attend any of those. They don't attend any of those. What they can do, if they if if it's a case of a close family and, and things like this, then they can give the condolences. And these condolences, again, is reminding people of Allah. Yeah, they give remembrance. But not a case of they attend anything in terms of, for example, let's say for example, it's in a church, they can't attend the church. If it's the burial, they can't say that they're going to uh, attend burials and things like this. Because this is what's apparent, and of course we don't, Ahlul Sunnah, do not affirm anything for an individual, whether it be any, any abode for individual, whether it be Jannah or Nar. But the person does not attend the, the burials for such such people, inshallah. But if the person finds himself in a scenario of difficulty, and it's something that is can be for you know in a scenario of people that have non-Muslim family members that they attend that which the the, the the least possible, which is giving the condolences and reminding people of of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and this is the best thing that they that they can and should do. Inshallah. Well, yeah. yeah. Allah is free. No. Allah is free. He's not Muslim. Okay. So what would it be impermissible for me to support her to put him in a grave? No. If if you if because this this is from establishing still establishing these rights. That if he needs to be buried, then you you arrange this, but you don't arrange anything else. Oh yeah, like yeah. yeah. Do you understand? But he needs to be buried, and if you are the if you're the one that is responsible for that as his son, yeah. then you fulfil that. Now nah, you fulfil that, but you don't do anything else. You don't involve yourself in anything else. You fulfil the burial, and that's all. Yeah, that's nah, and so you keep ties. At this point, you keep ties. You remind them. You remind them both of Allah. You give da'wah to them. You give da'wah to your mother. You give da'wah to your father, of course. Now you make du'a for him, make du'a for for his his guidance first and foremost, and du'a for his shifa, du'a for 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 his health. Thereafter, first and foremost, we ask Allah to add, he guides him to Islam, 
so that you can you can before if it does come to the case that he passes away, which will happen to all of us, that you are able to perform the janazah for him and, and establish a janazah for him. Naam. Where you have that right to wash him and the rights the rights we're discussing over these lessons. If Allah Ta'ala does not decree that, that that is his that is his final uh ending and he doesn't die upon Islam, then as his uh offspring and his child and his child and his son, then what's upon you is just to to fulfill this affair of the burial for him, inshallah. And inshallah you'll be able to do that inshallah. No. But at this point just make just continue making dua and to, you know and make make the most of the times of dua as well. You know, how many times do we hear stories of whether it be the, the stories from the times of the, 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 the companions till today where we hear about, you know, our parents, our, our, our um, relatives, where they lived a life upon Kufr all the way to the end. And within their last moments or their last days, they embrace Islam. Naam. So it's upon us that have family members that are not Muslim, that you as an individual late us. You do not become one that despairs. And you feel like this this person is not going to accept. Rather you continue to call them. You continue to continue to call them. Because you do not know what is in the barton, what is within. How many times do you find an individual he says, I'm not accepting this? But his heart is accepting it. Whilst there's tongue saying I'm not accepting it, the heart is accepting it. You do not know. All you can do is continue to give the dawah. And it's win-win. If he embraces, alhamdulillah. If he doesn't, naam, then inshallah you're rewarded by way of the, uh, giving him down. You're rewarded by way of that down. But what's the condition? So it's sort of like, you know, say, for example, he's going to accept it. Well, it's, imagine he just says, okay, I believe. But it, does, it, does it have to be specifically like he has to say the shahada? Or no. Shahada? has to say the shahada. Okay. We know. So the, 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 but if he doesn't know what he's saying, but he just says anything, is that... The first thing is the says, if a person says we 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 encourage person to say shahada because you enter Islam upon the shahada thing, naam, that's the first thing. As for whether he truly believed in it or not, then this is this is as we say none of our business. This is between him and his Lord. We as Ahlul Sunnah act upon that which is zahir, that which is apparent. If that which is apparent, he took the shahada, alhamdulillah then we treat him as a Muslim. And if he dies in that, in that state, then we treat him as a Muslim, bury him as a Muslim, inshallah. But no doubt, everything that comes before it has to be um, yeah, upon the truth. And it's not sufficient that the person just says, I believe. We know that the person has to say the shahada. And the shahada that is, this shahada is taqil upon the mizan. And we're heavy upon the scales, inshallah. So we ask Allah Ta'ala to guide your father and guide all of our all of our relatives that are not upon the haq, whether it be opposition to the haq and kufr, shirk, or bid'ah, or ma'asi. May Allah Ta'ala guide them all to the haq and give them a good ending. Yeah. Yes. They each have their own jaleel. Yes. Contemporary thick issue. How does a layman choose this opinion to follow? And is any opinion valid? It depends first and foremost what is what we call the wajil istidlal, what is the, the manner in which they're using the proof. Now, because we can't just say a person has proof. Why the reason I say this is because if you delve into any masala, you can find a proof somewhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's about understanding what is what is regarded as being a genuine proof and what is regarded as being something which is not upon the correct understanding. I proved that. Or understanding is not upon the correct understanding. Does it make sense? You have to decipher those things first. So as the layperson, the person has to first understand what the proof is. Is the proof something which is authentic? So that's the first step, the first thing. If the proof isn't authentic, then, of course, that's out the window already. After that, we have to look at what is the manner in which they're using the proof. And is this manner which the proof is being used a manner which has been preceded by others? Because you mentioned it's a contemporary. So is this particular understanding a one where others have understood it in the same way? 
or understood that proof to be used in that same way. If, man, for example, it has, then the person, they, they look at all of the issues and they, they, they decipher what they believe to be the strongest. That makes sense. Has to put in the effort. If it's if it's a, even though the person's a layman, you can't just say he yani check fulan or this this style of elm, he can do all the effort for me. And I'll just let him tell me what to do. It's not how we practice our religion. We practice our religion based upon trying to understand the proofs and being as close as possible to the Prophet in our actions. So uh when the evidence do does come to an individual, he seeks to try and find what is best in, in his practices. Lana's Lana's best. Barakallah fiqum. Sakuna khair naktafi. Hadha qadr. Sakuna khaira. Barakallah fiqum wa sallallahu wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa